Welcome to A Flash of Beauty, the podcast, an audio experience dedicated to the further exploration of Bigfoot and the people Bigfoot has revealed itself to. What started as a documentary of personal narrative encounter stories and expert testimony has now shifted into a deeper inquiry into the forever changed lives of those that have witnessed firsthand this hidden truth. My name is Tobe Johnson, co-producer of Flash of Beauty Bigfoot Revealed. Join me along with the crew and creators of this doc, director Brett Eichenberger, producer Jill Rimmen-Snyder, and cinematographer Michael Ferry, as we go back into the trees to sit down once again with each guest in search of the truth, no matter how strange. All right, we're back again with A Flash of Beauty, the podcast. Hello, Brett Eichenberger. Hello, Jill Snyder. Hi, Tobe Johnson. <laughs> All right, we got another fantastic guest, another star of the documentary. And this time, we're bringing in a little bit of hypnotherapy, not to put you to sleep, but to put you in a heightened sense of awareness. Doug Meacham, our guest today from Gresham Hypnosis Center, um, this is quite the conversation here, uh, with Doug. And for those that are skeptical about hypnotherapy and what hypnosis is, we set the record straight with a seasoned pro. I think he said 30 plus years of experience doing this here. Um, I don't know, guys, you go ahead. What, what do you think about our interview with Doug? I think Doug is, is a key to so many different sightings um that he's he's had the chance to unravel if you will and he's a he's really kind of he helps to unlock the emotional key to a sasquatch experience and that's why we thought it was so important to feature him and dr michael adams in the film because there is a psychological component to this that nobody is talking about and i get it we get it everybody wants to 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 see bigfoot and see what he looks like and it's a mystery but at the same time a lot of folks and perhaps somebody out there that's listening right now has had an experience that mm. they just can't shake. It's maybe left a bad taste in their mouth. And Doug does a, um, a great job of breaking down how hypnotherapy works and why it might be something that you might want to look into if you've had a sighting. And not only that, Brett, but Doug's interview that uh, we used in the documentary, it really is a nice kind of companion piece to Dr. Michael Adams, who we'll bring yeah. on later on how the brain works and how uh, you maintain memories and how the brain filters out what it wants to remember. So, mm -hmm. yeah, just a tremendous uh, addition to the lineup mm -hmm. of uh Ex experiencers, witnesses, uh, skeptics, and what have you that we have uh, interviewed and had a conversation with. You know, I'll be honest, I, I was skeptical at first about hypnotherapy until I started to uh, research Doug Meacham's work and what actually is going on when someone is hypnotized because you're not, you know, putting them to sleep at all you're putting him in a heightened sense of awareness in something that doug calls um reanimating or reinvigorating reviving this memory 
and this compartmentalized part of your brain that we know that uh, you compartmentalize trauma in particular into certain parts of your brain. So we get into all that with Doug. He's going to explain it much better than I can. Um, why don't we get into it here? Our interview with hypnotherapist, certified hypnotherapist, Doug Meacham. And hello, Doug Meacham. Hello. Howdy. Hello. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. That was take three, by the way, folks. So we are back. It's good to have uh, Doug on the monitor here now. And everybody knows that this is an audio format only, but I can see Doug. I haven't actually been able to meet him. So if it's virtual, it's virtual. I'll take it. Um, Doug, you know, you're kind of a legend in my world uh, as far as you working with bigfoot witnesses but i know you do more than that so tell people a little bit about your origin story because in the documentary we're talking specifically obviously about sasquatch but you work with a lot of people as far as being a hypnotherapist that want to you know take hold of certain issues and remember them or conquer them so talk a little bit about your your practice beyond this and then tell people how you got into it Okay, uh, how I got into hypnosis? Well, how you got into this whole Bigfoot thing, too, because that, <laughs> that in itself is a very interesting story. So, um, Gresham Hypnosis Center is uh, uh, a place where people can come in and, and change their, their lives. I help people deal with stress and anxiety. I help people uh, reduce weight. I help people stop smoking. Uh, there's a lot of different things that you can do with hypnosis. Uh, it, it's not a silver bullet, but you can apply it in a lot of different ways, in a lot of different situations and circumstances. So uh, I've been a hypnotherapist almost 30 years. Next year is my 30th anniversary. And I literally, literally have helped thousands of people. And uh, I, I have a little mission statement that uh, I say, you know, if I can help someone feel better leaving my office than when they came in, I was doing a good thing. And so that's really how I go. My uh, focus is always results. And I, you know, that's, that's the way I approach it. In regards to Bigfoot, um, I was at a coffee shop in downtown Gresham and uh a friend of mine. I really didn't know him so well, but but uh, he, I, he was an acquaintance. We met through the Chamber of Commerce, and he said, "You know what? I've got, I've got this guy. I'd like you to hypnotize. Uh, do you know anything about Bigfoot?" And I said, "Well, yeah, a little bit. Pretty naive, I, I, I have to admit." And he said, "Well, this guy is a really good witness. I've talked to him. I, I, I feel good about it." And I said, sure. He says, okay, great. So we uh, agreed for me to hypnotize this uh, gentleman. His name is Glenn. I have his have permission to tell his story and use his name. So uh, uh, I sat down with Guy and Glenn, and I helped Glenn recall, and hence the recollection uh, of his experiences. Now, Glenn was unique in that he had an experience when he was 10 in New York State, and he had an experience when he was 14 in Oregon. And so that was the first step. That was what uh, really opened the doors 
for me to uh, to do this. And then, uh, because Guy Guy Edwards he, at, at that point in time he had the Bigfoot Lunch Club and he had meetings that were once a month, and uh, through Bigfoot Lunch Club and the fact that I had helped and worked with Glenn, we started getting people asking me to help them remember more details and recall the experience much more vividly. That's one of the things hypnosis can do is it can help people recall details that are unconscious as opposed to, you know, just rattling off, uh, you know, oh, I remember what that was like, conscious memory. So that's how I got into it. <laughs> well, did you start off as someone that was skeptic, skeptical about this in any way, shape or form? Or what was your what was your experience with learning about Bigfoot? And after that initial interview or hypnotherapy experience, where did you end up with it? Okay. So uh, I grew up in central Washington and Bigfoot Sasquatch was something that, you know, it, it was almost an, a, a given. I mean, you might not have ever encountered one, but it was, it, it wasn't a taboo subject. I, like I said, I grew up in the Wenatchee Valley in the foothills of the Cascades. So it wasn't out of the ordinary uh, for me to have somebody say, hey, what do you think about Bigfoot? Uh, I will, uh, you know, the, the process I use is actually through a connection that I had with Dr. David Jacobs of Temple University. He and Bud Hopkins worked together on ufo experiences and i reached out to dr jacobs because i wanted to understand his interview technique and we had a, a a nice exchange and he provided me with the work that he and bud hopkins had done the interview structure and i took that and i worked it uh i, I tweaked it for myself i use the cognitive interview process as well so after i worked with glenn i did all of those things i used hypnosis and the cognitive interview and and dr jacobs structure um and uh the interesting thing was is that when i was working with people who had encounters or were witnesses the the depth of emotion the intensity of the experience you can usually tell uh, if they're fabricating a story just by talking to them. In hypnosis, it, it becomes a lot more evident that the uh, uh, the story is fabricated. So I started to hear these stories, and they became incredibly compelling. And I mentioned in the movie uh, that one of the uh, witnesses that I interviewed, he was in the in the chair, and he was in tears. And I, I said, what's happening now? And he says, I realize I will never see them again. And it was just powerful. So it, what did it do for me? It opened up in a completely different aspect of what this is and how it affects the people who have had encounters. No, I know. I mean, I knew it was going to be a profound answer. And I've heard you mention that story before somewhere. I can't, I don't think you mentioned that do you mention that in the documentary that the person was in tears? Okay, that's where obviously that's where I heard it before, but it did leave uh, as an audience member. It uh, leaves a profound effect on you because I've been, you know, privy to these moments here where strangers are crying all of a sudden, 
hearing Sasquatch sounds, you know, um, at the booth that I've had periodically, I'll have people break down in tears and it is this type of, of trauma. And we get into that in the documentary, uh, as well, as far as compartmentalization, what the brain does, um, talk to people. If you, you mind, if I ask another question here, guys, real quick here, talk to people, yeah. um, on this podcast about what happens to the brain that allows it to have these different sections as far as trauma is concerned, where we put data like that and uh, and why we put it there. Okay. So our brain is wired to uh, protect us, for lack of a better phrase. The unconscious mind has two jobs, keep you happy, keep you safe. And if it's a traumatic experience, and usually trauma in, uh, involves emotion, the brain, the unconscious mind, um, determines whether this is a valuable thing for you to remember easily. Uh, if it caused a lot of uh, uh, stress and distress, chances are that a lot of the information is going to be un un unavailable consciously. So in the human mind, and this is going to get really, really simple, uh, I don't like the labels because I think that we're all of one mind, but we have the conscious mind and we have the unconscious mind. The conscious mind runs about 5% of our world, our perceptions and our behaviors. The unconscious mind, about 95%, which means there's about 95% of the stuff that goes on in our world, our life, the things we do, we are not aware of at all. The memories that we have, everything we've ever experienced, everything we've ever thought, everything we've done is recorded in the unconscious mind. There is a barrier, we call it the critical faculty, and it keeps stuff from moving in and out. So when someone's telling a story and they're conscious, those memories are not readily accessible because of that critical faculty. When we use hypnosis, it brings down that barrier. We can go in and talk to the unconscious mind and say, all right, in, in, I'm going to count to three, and in three, you're back there. One, two, three, tell me what's happening now. And we attempt to do something called revivify or, or basically bring back to life. So you might hear me change how I ask a question. So initially, I'll say Okay, you're going back to 1997. Okay, it's in the morning. Uh, what's it look like? And then I'll say, what's happening now? What are you doing? I'm bringing it into the now. So and they're, they're in uh, 1993, and now I'm telling them they are there. What's happening now? What do you see right now? And the unconscious mind starts to bubble this stuff up. And we can freeze it. We can we can lock it in. We can say, okay, what what are you noticing that you you know? Just tell me everything you're seeing, and we can change perspectives because our minds are capable of extrapolating. I say, okay, if you were over by this tree, what would you see? And then the other questions are: Does it remind you of anything else? What are you noticing? What's happening now? And all of this can be bubbled up from the unconscious mind because there's nothing blocking it. Now, I will say this. If, for whatever reason, the unconscious mind does not want to release this information, whether it's incredibly traumatic or whatever, I, I'm not going to be able to dig it out. It's it's there for a reason, and it's blocked for a reason, and it's keeping that person safe. 
Go so ahead, I, I have a question, Doug. Is it possible? So let's say that I had a Bigfoot encounter uh, like years ago and I pushed it down and I think I, I might be remembering it and I am questioning the memory. I come in, I see you and we're able to retrieve uh, what I experienced. Is it ever, would it be a situation where later on I might be start recalling more memories or details from that event? Like would a hypnosis session trigger remembering more down the road? That's a really good question. And the answer succinctly is yes. Because once we've kind of broken down that barrier and we've, we've, we've created a bit of a, uh, an outflowing, yeah, there will be more information, more memories that can bubble up. It doesn't happen all the time, but I've seen it happen where people are saying, you know, it, let's say that there's a week between the times I see them and they'll say something like, you know, I was driving my car and it's like, wow, suddenly I remembered this happened. And uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll revisit that. So yeah, it, it can happen. This, this is so so key to our film and why our film, why, why we wanted to make something that separated us from some of the other stuff that's out there, because I think we're all in agreement that um, we don't want to bring in a body. I mean, science needs a body, obviously, but we don't, we don't advocate for the killing of Bigfoot and where we came from when we approached you and we approached Dr. Michael Adams was, we came from this idea of, okay, so what is, aside from getting hard evidence, what is the best proof? And what's so interesting to Jill and I, who are like classically kind of trained film directors and people who have studied acting and actors, is knowing what's a good performance and what's not a good performance and how, what's the word I'm looking for? How believable a person can be and why that ends up being in my opinion great evidence and sometimes i say it's it's enough to convict in other words we're looking for folks that have had this emotional trauma because if you put them on the witness stand you're going to convict you're going to you're going to prove in the court of law by the people by a jury that bigfoot a bigfoot encounter did happen that there was a bigfoot there scientists on the other hand you know, are going to be out to lunch or whatever. So we need to try and get as close as we can to proving it to be real. And so I think what you've done and what you're, you're able to do with his hypnosis, like you said, that's so hard to fake. And going back to actors and acting, you can tell the difference between an Oscar winning performance and an amateur performance by the way that that actor gets into the subconscious, by the way that actor pulls from real life. Um, you know, and there's different schools of thought and acting. We won't get into that method and so on and so forth. But um, these folks that that you're talking to and, hip, you know, have put under hypnosis that realize that they've never seen, they will never see this again, so on and so forth, is to me some of the most compelling evidence out there. What else, in your opinion, do you think it's going to take um, you know, could there could there be a trial someday where we could really kind of cross examine and, you know, kind of maybe use something like this or tools like this to prove Bigfoot's existence? Yeah, I actually think that there is. 
there's a form of hypnosis uh, that we call forensic hypnosis, and it's actually used uh, in uh, uh, there are police departments that use uh, forensic hypnosis. They'll have a a, a witness. Uh, and they'll have a hypnotherapist come in or a hypnotist come in and they'll uh, uh, work with them to gather more information. And that information builds the case. They use something, and I, I mentioned it earlier, I use something called the cognitive interview. And one of the things that we do with cognitive interview is it gives us a structure so that we can determine whether or not the story is real. So if you have someone initially come through and tell you the story from beginning to end, and then you say, okay, we're going to start at the middle, and I want you to go backwards, and I want you to tell me what happened before this and then before that, and, and, and literally rewind it. And if it's a confabulated story, you're going to start to see things fall apart. And so that's the value of having this type of structure the, the the type of interview is because if they were on the stand you could uh make absolutely certain that the details jive all the way through whether it's frontward or backwards if it's in the middle and go in either direction so when you use this information and the hypnosis and the cognitive interview combined the information is actually much much more accurate than either one alone or just a witness declaration. So yes, I do think that we could use it to validate and you know uh, confirm that this is out there. But you know, Doug, when people seek you out as far as the anonymity and the subject matter at hand, there is no fame and fortune attached to this. As to where you know an actor and actress, obviously there is. So you. You have this trust automatically just based upon the, you know, the privilege of, you know, the HIPAA violations and everything else that would follow interviewing somebody like this. So when someone steps into your office to to tell you this and you have them under, you know, hip, hypnotic therapy, are you ever shocked at the fact that they want to privately lie to you? I mean, that that to me makes no sense. No. And, and it. I have never had anyone come in and uh, have a story that they they just created off the cuff. Everyone that I've ever worked with has had a, a an emotional, valid, uh, verifiable, at least in uh, you know the work that I do. Uh, yeah, there there have been no fake stories. People come to me and they tell me it's because they want to one remember more to get it out they're not holding it in anymore and they want some validation and uh in the sense of yeah that's exactly what i thought it was and and now i'm sure so i haven't had anyone who came to just pull my chain uh, everyone that's come in has been uh genuine in regards to their encounter their experience which is pretty amazing to me well, this must be shocking to you. I mean, here you are a clinician of sorts and you are being introduced into this secret world that shouldn't exist. How has that changed you? What are you doing in your spare time? Are you, you have a, uh, you know, night vision now and do you find yourself on the edge of a mountain <laughs> looking with Guy Edwards over stumps? What's happening? You know, it was funny. I was sitting down 
at Cliff Berrickman's house once. And um, uh, I was there and we were talking about this. And I said, you know, I'm really on the fringe of, of this whole thing, you know. And, and, and Cliff looked at me and said, no, Doug, you're smack dab in the middle of this. And I realized I am. I, I am a, a, a unique piece amongst this and, and has it what I would when I go out hiking, I pay attention. I look around. It's like, wow, wouldn't it be great? You know, I take my camera and I know because I have my camera, I'm not going to see it. Right. But I, I uh, what was it done? It's opened my mind to the probability that I could have an experience. And, uh, you know, am I a little bit apprehensive? Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, but but is it opened it up? Yeah, quite a bit. And I would I, I would revel in the experience. And then I'd go to a hypnotist and have them rem help me right. remember. Right. My. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who does a hypnotist go to when they need one? You, ha you you must have someone you go to besides yourself. You don't do it in the mirror, I imagine. With a <laughs> no, it doesn't work so well. The watch, and then I fall right. over another. Right. Uh, to be honest with you, yeah, there's a gentleman in in Southern Oregon that uh, uh, is amazing. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. So, here's a question for you. Um, you know, obviously, this is this is science based. You're working in a science based world, the science of the brain whatever it's called, I don't know. Uh, but being that you're working in a world of science, have you talked to, um, you know, any anybody else in your field about this? And if so, what are some of the responses that you've gotten from your peers? Uh, I have talked to uh, some of my peers. Um, and um, I, it's 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 kind of a mixed bag. Uh, uniquely, uh, hypnotherapy is not always a clinical. Uh, I approach in my office, uh, and when I'm, we're helping people with stress or whatever, it's a very clinical uh, and specifically directed uh, type of work that I do. Uh, memory recall is a little bit different. And so there are hypnotherapists who are, uh, you know, very much directed into, uh, for lack of a better phrase, a softer version of it. And uh, they encourage, they love the fact that what I'm doing is out there. And, you know, uh, if you think about other, I'm going to use the word paranormal, uh, uh, other paranormal uh, topics, Hypnosis has been used in those a lot. And that was one of the reasons that, you know, guy walked up to me. He says, Doug, this is this has never been done with Bigfoot. And when I was talking to other hypnotherapists, they're like, wow, that is an amazing thing to do. Because you're right. No one has ever done this with Bigfoot. And so my question, your answer, my answer to your question is that uh, I've, I've had some incredible encouragement. And then, you know, some people are like, yeah, well, you know, a, a doctor is not going to call you if you put that on your website. So, uh, so. I have to ask, um, you know, in I've been in this for 
over 15 years looking into the subject matter myself here. And along the way, there are some private secret data points that you collect when you hear stories that you kind of keep to yourself to kind of separate the authentic moments from the maybe suspicious moments, we'll say. Knowing the fact that you're in this secret realm, we'll call it the subconscious mind, this 95% lockdown area, here you have these private moments with these people talking about these hidden events. And um, I would imagine that there's some continuity with these private moments that are coming up, these little rings of truth, like not only the smell or the size or the way they acted, but things that they say that just the subtleties. Can you talk about the subtleties that you're willing to share as far as what these people are saying that just can't be fabricated from, you know, person to person? Yeah. Um, so what I've noticed is, is that, like I said, if it's a, if it's valid, uh, there's an emotional component to it, and there's an intensity. When when someone's in hypnosis, there's a uh, there's a change physiologically in regards to the musculature in their face, and there's some other things that we watch for. And when someone's relating this information, you can start to watch that if there's a change, yeah, because you you've calibrated, you have a baseline, and you know when someone starts talking about um you know i could see the the the, uh skin folds or the lines of skin on their face by their nose or i could see you know the the uh 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 the eyes and and the glow uh that it becomes uh you know very very real for them because this is this is a piece of information that they did um i was i was in uh, i did an episode of for a tv show and one of the things that caught me off guard and usually what i like to do is um well it's important that i stay uh neutral i don't lead them anywhere i just ask what what's happening now and this particular witness on this show mentioned that he saw that bigfoot had three toes on both feet and i'm sitting there talking to him i said oh and that's really not a good thing to do because you know my my brain is saying no no that I've never that was unique to me but for him that was it and I say you know because he heard the splashing he heard uh, there was running through mud puddles and stuff and he saw the feet and that was a detail and he was like wow and he was scared in this experience so I know that that was whether it was tr- actual three toes or whatever that was a piece and then I, I on the other the movie. Uh, Flash of Beauty, I mentioned one of the witnesses who the broadness of the shoulders was like, is that absolutely, I mean, fixated on this thing is huge and the broadness of the shoulders. And she said, I could sit on those shoulders. And, uh, uh, and, and you know that these are, these are things that they're, that are pieces that are really important to what they are. Uh, with Glenn and the first one, you know, he, uh when he was in new york he looked up they tripped on a route uh or he did and he looked up and there was a young sasquatch that was holding down a tree looking at them and glenn saw, saw his eyes and it was they they made contact and then the, the sasquatch let the 
Branch Goldwyn was gone. But for Glenn, it was the eyes. It just, you know, and and you could tell that 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 the way he described them, the 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 intensity of it for him was like, oh yeah, this guy's not making this up. This is this is an experience he had. So yeah, there are lots of yes. Oh no, go ahead, Doug. Sorry, I was just no, I was finished, Jill. Yes. Well, have you had people come in who initially when they came in, uh, their encounter, like the way they remembered it, uh, I guess in their conscious mind, it was a very scary or frightening experience. But after going under um, hypnosis, did it do a 180? Did they see the experience in a new light? Like, oh, this was really an incredible opportunity to see something extraordinary as opposed to, oh my God, it's going to eat me or whatever. I, yes. And because I, I, um, I've had people who came in and they were frightened. They were like, this is an incredibly traumatic experience, but I want to be able to now the, uh, the, 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 the great part of this is, is that, um, once they have validation, because part of their fear is like, am I making this up? Like, is, is this a, a hallucination? Did I? And so uh, they're kind of afraid that maybe something's not right. And so then when they come in and they say, oh, my gosh, yeah, that that is. And they walk out and it's cathartic to them. They do have that. OK. And again, there's real value in sharing that story. A lot of people will hold this stuff in. For years and years and years, and they're they're afraid to tell anybody. They they don't realize there's a community, and so when they come in and they open their 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 minds and and their their hearts to to me, and they trust what I'm going to do, yeah, they walk out. Oftentimes, it's like, yeah, this was an amazing experience, and uh, uh, you know, it's it's one that's unique to very few. And it's it's a, it's it's an honor to be in this place, uh, and you know they they also recognize that that uh, most often I have never had anybody, uh, sans one, uh, talk about uh, fear uh, that that they really thought that they were going to be you know ripped to to pieces, and um, uh, and then when we we delve deeper into that particular one we understood what was going on and and uh you know that basically you know the sasquatch was letting him know that hey this is my territory and then you probably shouldn't be doing that here and uh so it was a loud scream and a well a blood curdling scream and uh frozen but when we did the hypnosis it it really opened up says okay this is territorial and you know uh uh and he's like wow okay i get it and, and that smoothed things out. It's an interesting process. And to see people change, it really is. Doug, um, you do a lot of this out of your office, but I imagine in a virtual world, you probably do virtual hypnosis therapy. Is that accurate too? So yes and no. The, the, the type of hypnosis that I do and and there are lots of different kinds, but I do something called ultra depth, and ultra depth allows us to really bypass that critical part, just because we take them into a much much deeper, relaxed state that's 
uh, um, so when you do that, you you really open up the access to the mind. So the more someone is relaxed, and the more we get them into uh, 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 a, a deeper state, the more information we can pull up. So in that, I touch people. I will touch their shoulder, or I will touch their arm, or I will lift up their arm, I will drop it. And those are things that are part of the process, and I can't do that virtually. And the other thing that I really like to do is I, when I have a client in my office, I can I, I calibrate, I see what their baseline is, and then I I look at what's changing. Now I can't see your hands, Tope. I can't. But if I was sitting next to you, I could. I don't know what your feet are doing, but if you're in my office, I can see all of those things. So I've had some people ask me if I could do this work. Uh, virtually and it's it, it can be done i think that in person is honestly for me the, the most valuable way to do it i record all of my sessions but it, it just there's a connection also that i'm right there and they know that if they have an ab reaction and that just means that there's an emotional response i'm right there and i can say you know you're in the chair you're safe uh, you know, and, and when you're ready, you can go ahead and open your eyes and recognize that you're here. I, that, uh, virtually it becomes a bit of a challenge. So, um, it, it, I have people ask me, I had one lady from Texas call me and say, can you, and I was like, all right, we can attempt it, but I don't have the ability to control the environment. She had a five-year-old kid coming in and, and her dog was barking and all of this stuff. And, and it's like, I can't do this. Uh, uh, like that. So um, I prefer to do my work one-on-one -on -one in my office. If somebody says, can you come out to my house? I, I, I could probably do that. I still like to be able to control the environment, which is my space. Wow. Well, then that makes sense too. I mean, there must be something happening and maybe you won't go there, but there probably something happening spiritually, I would think in that room when two souls are together like this going into a different vibrational frequency i can only imagine um you know putting that tether of the internet between two spiritual bodies probably isn't as powerful but if anybody can do it it's doug meacham at gresham <laughs> hypnosis center <laughs> and uh, thank you <laughs> no yeah i was going to ask you too is there anything clinically going on as far as you know, maybe we can coin a new term here of someone that would for crying out loud, make up a cryptid story. I mean, I imagine that there's probably clinical terms for people that lie a lot, things like that. Is there something in the data set that says, Oh, these people are prone to see sea monsters and Bigfoot and Mothman. What in the world would be going on for someone besides just the fantastical ability to tell a, a compelling story. Well, I think that um, there's there's that uh, drive to be recognized, special. I mean, when you think of, uh, let's go with crimes. And if it's a fairly heinous crime, you're going to have people come in and say, I did it. And just for the recognition and just for the the notoriety. And of course, it falls apart most of the time. I would hope all the time. 
uh, that they would actually get the right person. But uh, so when it comes to confabulating a story uh, about an encounter like that, uh, uh, it's it's I I think that it's it's more for just uh, you know attention. Uh, we there there are confabulators out there. There are people who are great storytellers. Um, and you tell a story enough times, you could probably convince a few people that it was real. So I don't know if you could coin a new word or not. I call them confabulators. Um, but uh, uh, I, I don't think that there's anything clinical or psycho uh, any kind of psychosis involved. I just think that it's, you know, I want some attention. And this is a really different subject. And so, hey, how about if I tell a story about me seeing a Bigfoot? So yeah. thankfully, I haven't, haven't I've never had that. No, and you probably have a good BSR detector or BS detector. So, <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd like to think so. Mm -hmm. uh, Jill, uh, Brett, any uh, final questions here before um, we let D uh, Doug go? No, I, I have a final thought, you know, and, and maybe we can use Doug's words of encouragement here for folks who might be a little trepidatious about doing something like this. They don't know too much about it, but they know that they've seen something or maybe they thought they saw something. And, uh, you know, we've encountered a lot of people out there who um, <clears throat> who have gone from I know what I saw, you know, in the days, weeks and months to the influence of others years afterwards, they start thinking to themselves, man, maybe it was something else. And those people might want to come in and see you and, and, and unlock something. But can you tell us just quickly what it, what it's like, Doug, and, and why people shouldn't be frightened to, to ring you up and go through this process? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first of all, hypnosis has an interesting history. Um, and, uh, it, it it it's kind of like a sine wave. It, it it's like really popular and really effective, and then something happens, and then you know it's like don't go see them because they'll mess with your mind, and then it becomes popular again, uh, and or or a tool that's that's used. So this is what I say. First of all, don't pay any attention to the movies or 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 uh, uh, magazines or TV shows because. The real stuff doesn't really make the, the most fantastic story. You're not asleep. You're awake. You're aware. As a matter of fact, you're hyper-focused. You know more about what's going on around you in hypnosis than you do when you're awake, uh, when your eyes are open, when you're talking to somebody. So when you're in hypnosis, it's profound relaxation and concentrated attention is really what it is. If for whatever reason they wanted to open their eyes and say, I'm done, we are. I can't keep you in this state. People ask me what it is. And over the years, I've determined, I, I've, I tell them it's daydreaming on purpose. Because when we daydream, several things happen. And they're, they're also what we call deep trance phenomena. In a daydream, you get lost in thought. You engage your imagination, your senses. You're someplace else. You're doing something else. If someone's talking to you, you may not remember everything that they say to you. And if somebody needs to get your attention, it may take them a couple of times to bring you back. 
And that's exactly what happens in hypnosis. So you're in control, you're not asleep, and you're safe because these are memories. The memories are not happening now. They're memories. And because of the way that I do my work, I make absolutely certain that somebody is safe inside my office, that they leave whole, and that they leave feeling better than they did when they came in. So if you want to reach out to me and call, I'm there to take care of you, help you remember this, help you resolve any uh, discrepancies or whatever, and just remember that you are 100% in control. And uh, everything that happens in my office stays in my office, unless it's something that you want to share. Excellent. Thank you, Doug. I can't let you go yet, Doug. I got to go back to the beginning of this interview before we came on air. You said you might have a story that you can relate. I believe it was a Bob Gimlin story. So I'm going to let you start from there because I don't know where we're going with this. Okay. So one day I was sitting in my car and I get a text from Guy Edwards and it said, Doug, would you be interested in hypnotizing Bob? And I said, you mean Bob Gimlin? And he said, yeah. He says, I, I, I'm working on letting that happen. And I said, okay, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. And so I I got to know Bob and uh there was there was some trepidation from Bob because for many years of Bob's life, this was not a good experience. And uh, while he trusted me, the idea of being in hypnosis and being, you know, say, okay, Bob, are you lying? Did this really happen? There was there was some caution with him, and so one day I walked. I was at his house. Actually, I wasn't at his house. I was having lunch with him. And uh, there was someone else there. And and that person went to, to pay the bill or whatever. And I looked at Bob and I, I just said, Bob, I want you to know that you've told your story enough. Uh, you don't need to do anything with me. You don't need to talk with me. Uh, because you're done. You don't have to. And he said in his own way. Thank you, Doug. And we went on and had a nice conversation. Then I got a phone call from uh, uh, Mel, uh, scanned from uh, Yakima and said, Doug, Bob said that we should have you on the radio. And uh, uh, I said, okay, that sounds great. I'll come up, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do your radio show. And in that room was Bob Gimlin and another gentleman. And uh, they asked me to hypnotize this other gentleman and help him recall a childhood memory that was really, really uh, traumatic for him. And uh, I worked with him. And then um, I sat there and I, I hypnotized Bob Gimlin. And I had him tell his story. And it was the most fantastic thing. Uh, because I had heard it before, but you know uh, what I did, and most people think, "Well, why did you do this, Doug?" I I asked Bob to tell me more about the trip home 
than seeing Patty and all of that. I wanted to know, because it's raining, they got this truck, there's mud on the road. I wanted, and it was so fantastic, because that's a part of Bob's story that, you know, you, you don't hear. So we did, you know, we we, we went through being at uh, uh, at the creek and all of that, but my my uh, intention was just like, tell me, tell me how you got those horses home, and then he, you know, he t- then he talked about having going back up and 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 uh, uh, covering up the the trackway and all of that, and and, and but it's all on. Um, uh, uh, they recorded it. I uh, was it was a uh, an experience to have uh, sit there with Bob, and he's an amazing man. And I will say this unequivocally, that uh, he is honorable. That's a story that that is as real as can be, and uh, don't question it. It's uh, it happened. That is what you call burying the lead. And I'm so glad that uh, I remembered to ask you that question. That's very cool. Is that interview available for people or how to, is that something that can be related somehow? I think so. Uh, if, if you know Mel, the radio station up in Yakima, um, uh, he told me that they were recording it. And, and so, and it did go over live, but they recorded it and they were going to do editing on it. So I do believe that that particular program is there. They asked me to come back. They asked me if I would be willing to come back. And I told them, yes. Uh, so, um, I, I'm sure it's out there. Um, yeah, it was, that's incredible. Uh, that that's incredible. Yeah. And we just got off the, the internet not too long ago with Mel. So, um, I'll have to talk to him about that again in the future. If you want to see Doug Meacham in person and lie on his cat, and uh, relay some information you can do that at the gresham hypnosis center just outside of portland oregon uh doug thanks again for joining us and um we enjoyed having you here i wish uh, we had more time to talk to you well thank you for having me this has been a, a a real pleasure and it's good to see you jill and brett again nice to see you and thanks, it's nice to uh yeah. put, a, put a, a face to the voice it's great to be here all right that's it for us here. Thank you, Doug. Thanks, Doug. Take Thank it. You. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye bye. You too. Bye bye. This has been a Resonance Productions podcast. If you have questions, comments, or your own encounter story you would like to relate to the show, email us at bigfootrevealedpod at gmail.com. Also, if you're just discovering us, you can watch our documentary, A Flash of Beauty, Bigfoot Revealed, on most major video streaming platforms. 